Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another fine episode of the Knife Talk podcast. I am Mareko Malmasi, and as always, I'm here with Mr. Jeff Fader, um, but our friend, our compatriot, our welsh brother is not here today um knife talk is a great co- podcast what was i gonna say yeah of course podcast Keep going <laughs> about knife making uh about knife making we answer your questions we give each other a hard time we tell some funny stories we appreciate all of you jumping in here and joining us for this our, our, our kind of our what weekly chance to kind of let it all go out it's kind of like a support group more, well, more it, has its, it has its moments. It certainly has its moments. It has its moments of being a support group. But no, you know, we, sure. we're the number one knife-related podcast on this German-fested planet, whether you like it or not. Yeah. In fact, I mean, we cough it up every week. It's always good. And, you know, we're glad you're back. I mean, I feel like I'm doing, like, juggling around here. Yeah, you, man. You go away for a while, and then Craig's <laughs> sending me videos of him sitting. He actually, Craig's, so if this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, we're obviously, we're a bunch of knife makers, and we we talk about knife making. We interact with the listeners. You can join us on uh, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Send us questions, DMs, all that stuff. And uh, so Craig is at this very famous, and I don't remember the name of it, a very famous recording studio mm-hmm. in Wales where they where they recorded uh, Oasis, where they recorded- is it, is it the Abbey Road studio? No, no, no. no. I don't, no, no, no. It's, okay. it's a farm. It's a specific oh, farm. Oh, all right, all right. All right. And it's actually it's if you watch the the Bohemian Rhapsody was it the was the Queen movie Bohemian Rhapsody with yes. uh, if you watch that there's a whole scene where they're at this farm and they're recording Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, he's right there right now. He actually sent me this. He was uh, he was he was um, doing the editing for Full Blast, and he says, "I want you to know, I'm editing your podcast on the piano that Freddie Mercury 
played uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm just like, oh, great. Just, it, it, make sure it's on time. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know, the problem. I'm so no, no, happy no. to hear. <laughs> yeah, great. What do you want me to do? I mean, I mean, congratulations. This is amazing. No, but seriously, it's uh, it's super cool, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from him. Ah, look forward to all three of us coming back. But uh, Knife Talk sponsored by Even Heat, if you didn't know. Even Heat's the... Uh, the manufacturer of the finest heat treat ovens available. And if you go to knifetalk.net slash heat, you will be directed to Soul Ceramics. Soul, Soul Ceramics is the distributor of Even Heat. And if you go through that link, you're going to get $75 off of your Even Heat and free shipping in the United States. And P.S., I just had, I got my, my, I, my ass was saved by Spence. My computer was having problems uh-huh. on my, on my LB18. Yeah. He sent me down, he sent me down a, a, just a loner while my computer, the computer part was uh, being fixed. It's okay. number one, if you ever have a problem with your computer, they're super duper easy to replace. Like, it's just a couple switches, you can do it on a couple screws, a couple switches, a couple plugs, and it was up and running. So Spence hooked me up hard, oh, fast, yeah. really good. Spence is the man. Even even heat's all dynamite, and that's ad number one out the door for sure. So yeah, they were clutch for when I was at Maker Camp. Oh yeah, it was great. Part of part of the whole process. So while I was at Maker Camp, I I forged a blade, a heat treated blade, I ground a blade, I did the handle sculpting, everything. Uh, and it was actually a lot, I, it was a lot to pack into just a few days. Um, but it, if it wasn't for Spence and those guys, and it was great to meet Spence and his and his fiance and family, and uh, but they they saved my ass when it came to heat treating because dude, he had, he had I talked to him all set he, up. It was great. He they normally go to Blade Show, Blade Show West, and stuff like that. He says he had such a good time at at uh, Maker Camp, yeah. and you know this is something that happened less than a month or less than a month ago. We went to Maker Camp. I got to see you, yeah. and I uh, I got so many nice messages about you and spe- specifically, mm. uh, um, for, no nice messages. People saying okay. how. Yes. No, no, no. Of course. No, I'm calling to tell you, well, you know, no, you're not, no, it wasn't and nothing bad. Everyone was like, he's so nice, very approachable, much more, much nicer than I expected. And he was just, he took his time. No, because I mean, look, you're because, a big Because I'm constantly superstar. blocking people. Because you're a big superstar, no, you know, no, no. you're a superstar and, and people were just how, how cool you were. And, and I tell you what, and I said this when you weren't here is I was so impressed by you, how you were able to demo with your you know even the the knife you were working on at the time was a was a mind was mind blowing but how you were able to at the times i got to see you how you were very calm and cool and how you were very in the moment and you were very in control of what you're doing and the demos and the people who were taking watching your demos were blown away too so mm. i got a lot of nice messages and i got to see it firsthand so yes so you did a great job no it was great it was gl- it was it felt i felt uh kind of secure to have somebody <laughs> I knew standing there while you were there. It's like, okay, somebody's here. Well, right you now. knew all those guys. Well, not all of them. You knew Butch and you knew J- uh, Josh, Josh and uh, Josh Prince. And, yeah. you know, the Broadbeck guys were there. It was a, it was a great, uh, it was a great event. I mean, that and, was my uh, first time meeting Butch. Um, yeah. I mean, we how had funny, some... how funny are the Philly, Philly guys? Yeah. Butch and how, how funny are those guys? They're a crack up. No, they were great. It was great to be rolling with them. They had a lot of good energy. It was it was a fun time, and then after you went to Maker Camp, then where did you go? I went up to the up to Vermont. Actually, I cruised through Vermont for a couple days, uh, which is a stunningly. It is shocking how beautiful, like just Vermont by itself is. It was crazy. Yeah. It was cool. 
I, I was pleasantly surprised. We did a little tour of wood-covered bridges, um, and so we went through, I think, like six of them, um, including the biggest one, I think, in the country. It's like 209, it spans 209 feet uh, between Vermont and New Hampshire across hmm. the Connecticut River. Um, but yeah, it was, it was stunning. We went, uh, we visited Nick Anger, um, and then the kid at some point got pink eye. So then hey. <laughs> after going out to dinner with Nick, we were trying to figure out the pink eye situation. Um, we were in the emergency room until like one o'clock in the morning because we were not, because it was just pink eye. It, we weren't the top priority right <laughs> but then yeah, we're sitting vermont, there with a fucking six-year-old yeah in the in state vermont you can only imagine it's like you know legs chopped off and stuff like that <laughs> the vermont guys is like all meth meth over i'm gonna fuck around with vermont right now it's a lot of guys are drug drugged out on meth or they chopped their legs down or maybe they shot themselves in the arm or something like that in yeah. vermont live free or die or don't go to the emergency room right and that's a, so so is he okay? Your son's okay? Yeah, my son's good. He uh, we just did like an a- antibiotic ointment in his eye <laughs> for oh, several that days. That must and, have been nice. Yeah, it was, and it was only in one eye to start, and we were crossing our fingers he would do a good job, not you know transferring right. it to the other. And of course, he did get it into the other eye, so that definitely extend, extended stuff. But yeah, just trying to like work out getting uh you know making sure he can get treatment and stuff and being in a different state and, and then having to get a prescription antibiotic and all this shit was kind of, God. but it was great to see Nick again after Nashville. I mean, I had just seen him in Nashville. Um, it was a beautiful juxtaposition of my <laughs> six year old kid standing next to Nick. I love it because he's just, you know, Nick's big dude. He's a great guy and he's, he is a large human being and, uh, and, and, but my son, he just, he loved hanging out with Nick and Nick was great with him. Um, so yeah, we hung out Nick's for just a little bit, had some dinner. Uh, he helped actually Nick, Nick was a lifesaver cause in Vermont, the service is pretty fucking bad and spotty at least. And, um, and so getting to the, getting to the emergency room and stuff, he, he actually, we were trying to like pull it up on Google maps and the service was so spotty. We couldn't even get it to pull up. And so Nick was like, I'll drive you there. And so, um, so he led the way and which was not a huge detour out of his way, but it was great to have him there to, to help us find, figure out our, our way around because otherwise we could have been driving around a lot yeah, longer of course. than we needed to trying to get to that thing. But anyways, yeah, Nick was uh clutch for sure and then after after vermont i went to new hampshire to do a class at uh zach jonas's which i was actually i was excited about it at first and then i got really apprehensive and and uh kind of cagey and nervous about doing the class because uh basically it was like a, a a dissertation of the last nine years of me and my pattern making and the different ways i've figured out how to create unique patterns and combining the material back together and forge welding and and how i understand how material moves um crammed into three days um we had eight students in that class and it was great um why were you apprehensive i just i i don't i learn from i'm a very kinesthetic learner uh i learned what does that from, mean that means I learn more from observation or physically doing rather than just standing there and reading or being told what to do or reading right. a book. Um, 
And so when I learn from people, I just kind of stand next to them and watch them. And occasionally I ask a question, but for the most part, I'm picking it up from watching you. And so when it, because that's how I learn, um, turning around and trying to articulate what I understand is very challenging for me to explain where I want to just say, uh, especially when it comes to stuff like the blade grinding and handle sculpting. And it's just like, just watch me. I don't know what to tell you. Just like, just watch what I'm doing and then do your best to try to replicate that. Um, so yeah, figuring out how to articulate what I understand and know is really challenging. Uh, especially when it's all, all just been in my head for the most part. I mean, I used to do the pattern, pattern world of Wednesdays more frequently or more consistently, but, and that helped kind of externalize that. Um, but it's been a while. And so I kind of had to, I, I kind of jumped into kind of that frame again. Um, but yeah, the class was great, and I, I think it, it ended up working out well. Um, it was it wasn't a, a typical make and take class. It was all basically book work and th- and kind of kind of not necessarily heady, but just like a lot of thought listening thought games. You know, would you? Because it, it sounds to me like I mean, this is the I, well, I'm really enjoying watching what you're doing in the past few years because with your Patreon, and I want to talk about your Patreon um, at some point, because I'm very impressed with what you're doing as opposed to what a lot of people are doing. Okay. There's more, it seems as though you're you're embracing the idea of doing more teaching. I know when you had your trip going down the West Coast, you were stopping in and doing some teaching here and there, or private lessons or whatever. And it seems like though that that, this is the kind of way that you want to kind of direct your business. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I think, well, and especially in the last year, I've been trying to figure out how to kind of diversify how I make money from my knowledge and my skills. And so far, up to up to basically this last year, it's it's been all just knife making. And honestly, you know, is I, I'm trying to not always make money just from the sweat off my back. Not that there's nothing, anything wrong with that. It's just, it is hard on the body and I'm trying to figure out how to make money in different ways while still providing value and helping people. I used to think, honestly, like I used to think I was chasing, like I want to be the next Bob Kramer and sell knives for the most money and, and thought that that was the game or try to like, you know, get to the, get into the position where I'm, I'm a, a guest host on like chopped or something like that you know but i i had like the tiniest little taste of fame after being on joe rogan's podcast and honestly after doing uh you know the first full year after doing this podcast um it, it was it was really flattering to see all the people and and hear all the positive feedback but at the same time it was extremely overwhelming <laughs> and i realized at that point that that is that is not my path that's not I, I'm not interested in kind of like that fame route. So the last year has been me trying to figure out where, if that's not the direction I'm trying to take things in, then what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? And so I, I have been wanting to have more of a focus on helping other people get a better understanding of knife making in general. Uh, if any of my processes might help with that, as well as like the pattern designing stuff and so that's where coming in and teaching classes has been a way for me to um still make it earn a living but not necessarily from standing in front of a grinder for several hours you know right it's a different kind of work but um yeah well it's interesting it easy because on my body you know 
Of course, of course. Yeah. It's, it, it's interesting because, I mean, I watched you at Maker Camp and you, I mean, demoing is hard because you're also trying to comp compact the information and right. make it interesting, but also do a good job and, and be able to explain. And it's, it's, it's not, demoing is not easy. And what you were doing, you had complete, like I said, you had complete command and control of what you're doing. You didn't seem rushed at all. Mm. You seemed very like, this is how it's done. This is how, how long it takes. And yeah. I, you had a constant group of knife makers, like really good knife makers, like hanging on because you were doing such a good job. I actually, you know, the whole Patreon thing I think is very interesting and I'm hesitant about it for me because just because I just, it's just not for me. And I've always been hesitant about it, but I've gotten a lot of messages about in regards to your Patreon, Mm. which is the value that the community that you're creating on your Patreon is getting. A lot of people do the Patreon. They it's they say it like just putting a hat in the hat in the uh, you know putting a hat on the ground and people just tip you for whatever and sure. whatever your reasoning behind it is fine. The people who have been reaching out to me in regards to your Patreon have been saying I am learning a lot and Mareko is giving a ton of information and I yeah. know you do besides the Artisans of Steel podcast. You're also doing this long these question and answers and you're really kind of helping people directly. Right. And you're really providing quite a value. I'm trying. Well, I can see it. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, I've been trying to figure, identify, like, what is my goal and what is, what do I think my path is now? And I think, uh, what was it? It was after listening to Josh Smith's interview with Don Fogg. Um, it was really interesting to hear Don's kind of approach. Like, he could have been super massive popular and, and this and is on the josh cool. smith podcast yeah, on the he's, josh not really, smith. he's not really doing at all, that much anymore i don't not, think he's doing it at all not currently yeah i think that he has some episodes banked but he hasn't dropped them i think yet until he's ready to be more consistent again right uh but anyways uh and i was like i think that's that's what i want to be i want i want to be known as the guy that helped other makers find their way and whether it's ultimately deciding that this isn't for them or or that it is and they want to take wherever they want to take it you know um but being helpful in that way instead of it being kind of focused around me and um and so the patreon has helped me the the reason i went for the patreon right now is because i want to be able to afford to take that time because i was doing it already but it was a lot and it was when i I was taking that time to answer people's questions and do all this stuff. That was me also not working, right? right? So the Patreon helps kind of supplement for taking that time and getting and, and for helping people um, so that I'm still able to earn a living because I still, you know, got to make a living. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it, but it's been really great to have everybody's support and um, more, more. I, so the biggest things that are most consistent on the Patreon is the interviews for the podcast, but then also private Q and A's. And it's like, you know, obviously I answer questions on the podcast here, like we're going to do today, but in the, in my Patreon Q and A, it's like, we can spend like potentially upwards of an hour answering your question rather than a quick, you know, five minutes because, because that's what we're there to do. I'm, I'm in that thing to basically, you know, you're, you're paying to help for me to help you troubleshoot. Um, right at well, a pretty reasonable price i feel like and and it, it's great to have you know basically you get to have me in your corner uh and to call on for any help or stuff that, i mean that's like it's like having your tu- it's like having a high level tutor 
Sure. I mean, it re- honestly, sure. I mean, yeah. it's, I, I, like I said, I've had a lot of messages from people saying, you know, I was kind of, you know, I just wanted to help them out. And just like, now I'm, I'm learning a pile from him. So yeah. Kudos no, it's been to good. you. Thank Kudos you. to you. And then you had a nice, you had a nice time down with uh, Jamie Lundell. Yep. Yep. Dragons with Forge. Went down to Dragon's Breath after, uh, oh, well, actually, sorry. Um, from New Hampshire, went up to Maine uh, to go check out Bangor, Maine, which is where Stephen King is from. Uh, my wife is a big fan of his writing. Um, we got some new books, um, for one of his new books uh, from the local bookstore there, um, and and did a little bit of exploring up there. Made our way down through Maine, uh, stopped and hung out with Jay Morrissey or Jason Morrissey, um, and uh, also with, um, oh gosh, Isaiah Washington? Isaiah, right? What's Isaiah's, yeah, I think so. What's Isaiah's last name? Not Schroeder. Not Schroeder. No. He's in. I think it's Washington, right? Fine. Let's go with, let's go with Isaiah Washington. Let's go with, <laughs> Isaiah, whatever. Let's go with, Sorry, let's Isaiah. Let's go with Isaiah Washington. Is, <laughs> he ain't listening to this. Don't worry about that. Isaiah Jefferson, Isaiah Lincoln. He ain't listening whatever to Whatever presidential yeah. last name he's got. Hey, none of them are listening to this. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Uh, and, and, and another gentleman named Mario came uh, and hung out with us uh, after. So we saw Jay one day. Um, in the afternoon as we were driving down and getting to our, our bed and breakfast. And then uh, the next morning we went and got brunch with Jason um, and Isaiah and uh, Mario. Uh, Mario, yeah. And so that was good to see them and hang. And then we, yeah, then we headed down to Connecticut that day. Uh, that was a long day of driving. It was like six, yeah, it was like six and a half hours you, with the kids. You guys love driving. Just love driving. A lot of driving. The three of you. It's unbelievable. It's it's a lot. It's, it's I think I've done enough for the next four years. Uh, this year for sure. <laughs> you've done uh, a month of drive. You've done like a six weeks of driving this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Dragon's Breath went great. It was a one day thing. Uh, definitely a more abbreviated version of what I did at Zach's. Uh, but it was also great to have Jamie there to talk about his process and his approach to. Uh, forge welding Damascus for the patterns he's creating in his swords. Um, and so we had a, another good group there. Um, and a lot of, a lot of, I think, uh, a lot of breakthroughs for people. It was, it was really cool. And the, either Zach's class or the one at Dragon's Breath it was just to see then people after me talking at them basically for, you know, either a couple days or several hours and then turning around and, and like showing that what i'm saying makes sense and 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 either creating cool designs or or helping me like working through different forge welding processes and which is what we did at dragon's breath we kind of like theoretically came up with a pattern was like all right well what happens if we go and forge it on the bias or if we cut it in half and then forge it you know book match it and then forge it on the bias and do it just like working through kind of theoretically what understanding trying to grasp like a firmer understanding of how material moves and how different forging processes create different line movement and then now you're home and now back in the shop it's been a couple days it feels good to be back in the shop for sure um it's been it's been cool getting out on the road with the family but um it is a little challenging with my son um at the age he's at (laughs) um more than anything it's just like everything's so exciting he just wants to like take off and run around and jump around or grab things off counters or or off benches and stuff and it's like whoa 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 (laughs) we gotta slow down um so 
it'll be interesting uh over the next couple of years i think i might do less of the family with uh meon events um at least until my kid can manage himself a little bit because <laughs> it, right. it was it was fun but it was challenging all right for sure. so you but it, you made nice memories of the family yeah. right before right before halloween where yes. this is this is going to come out for at halloween did you know that yeah happy halloween Good. everybody happy halloween ladies and gentlemen and if you want to have an abrasive halloween go to combat <laughs> abrasives and put dot com put in promo code knife talk 15 for 15 percent off all your abrasives belts your compounds, your your polishing wheels, all that stuff. Go to combatabrasers.com, 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. I just had the image, instead of somebody running around with a chainsaw with like a giant like polishing wheel on an angle grinder yeah. or one of the flap discs. I had uh, my, the, the probably one of the most uh, influential art professors I had in college was this name, this guy by the name of Martin Garhart. He was an incredible watercolorist and painter. Okay. Just like unbelievable. But he was also this, you know, real, he was a, you know, draw, his drawings, his renderings, his paintings, just, I mean, it just unbelievable. You just can't believe they're being done by a human being. Yeah. And he was the first guy I knew who was respectable, who was covered in tattoos. Mm. And okay. he was also this lumberjack character and he was like you know tough as nails from montana and stuff like that and he uh he used to for they used to have halloween parties and he would show up with a with a chainsaw and he would take the chain off the chainsaw and then start running it he would start running the chainsaw (laughs) in the party right there's no chain on it and he'd start hitting people with the you know with the chainsaw with a running (laughs) chainsaw and he freaking the fuck. I mean, this is like maniac running around with a real chainsaw inside a house. And that was, he used to do that. Yeah. It was, I, uh, I, I've seen people do that. Actually, so at Maker Camp, there is a, a haunted house. So it, at the Blackthorn Resort, for people who haven't been to Maker Camp, I, and I didn't understand this, but the, the resort is where Maker Camp is happening. But Maker Camp is only one portion of the overall resort. And so there's tons of other stuff going on around the resort and lots of other people staying there that aren't there for Maker Camp. Um, And one of the other things they got going on is a haunted house, which is (laughs) our our cabin was butted up right to the haunted house where people come out and there's a giant werewolf. Like if you ever seen on Joe Rogan's um, posts of uh from his studio sometimes he with his guests they'll be standing around a dummy werewolf and it looked basically exactly as that werewolf and uh it <laughs> scared the shit out of my kid the first night really yeah dude the thing's fucking menacing it's horrifying looking it's pretty gnarly so god but damn, he, god damn it <laughs> but we figured it out he was just like it's just a decoration no worries um but yeah i don't know why i brought that up it's fine. Halloween time. Halloween. No problem. No, no problem. So if you want, we can go into questions. My week was very well, nothing to write home about. I'm just work hard. And, <laughs> just a regular I mean, week. I mean, it's just a fucking, you know, we're working hard, getting ready for, for the Christmas, and I'm actually getting ready to do some new designs for 2023, which I'm excited about, and that's about it. I'm trying to think about anything else. No. I, no. I, I will take a second to remind everybody that Craig has a single that's dropping on the 18th of November. And so if you're trying to get it, maybe for the holidays, make sure you order yours now. 
We actually just bought ours. We bought we bought bought one for all the families. Oh, look at you! Look at you! <laughs> so look it'll be you. part of the uh, the holiday gifts to people. We're gonna be hearing all about it from old Craig. I I, I might yeah I might just we might I might have him on for full blast so we can talk not knives and talk just sure. music stuff. But uh, childhood. Well. This is the time of the show. Like I said, I got nothing to report, guys. I got nothing to report. What do I got to report? I, well, one thing I have to report is if you want to hear, I just did an, a really, really powerful episode of the Full Blast Podcast with our friend Kev Slattery, um, who, oh, yeah. who it was powerful because he told a really, really harrowing story. He was really sure. about mental health and yeah. um, his depths, and he went down to the bottom. I mean, he uh, yeah. tried to overdose himself. Right. And uh, he told the story, and it was really, really the story of redemption and the story of getting better. And he's got to go fund me. And uh, I would definitely listen to the podcast, um, especially for people who, you know, you're on your own. You're, you know, you, maybe everything ain't great. And uh, right. go, go listen to that podcast. Kev's the man. We know Kev very well. So For sure. So this is the part of the show where we answer listener questions. If you go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, you can DM us your questions. You can DM us tough dilemmas. We have some of those listener feedback. Um, so, do you want to kick off the first? Yeah, uh, give it the first one. Uh, yes, this is Le Forgeon, right? Sure, <laughs> is that what that of is? course. <laughs> yeah, sure, Le Forgeron. Le Forgeron. Le Forgeron. Yeah. Uh, it says, "Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What is the best?" species of wood for an anvil stand hardwood softwood what are your thoughts that was an interesting question because for me it's always been what can i just find that's the right height and size sure you know yeah um do you have any thoughts on it i i so i used to have a stump which is kind of a, a the the most basic thing you can grab to throw an anvil on uh, but the stump was always really heavy and kind of awkward to move around. Um, so now I have a three-legged anvil stand that I love um, because it's easy to... I mean, the anvil's heavy, but if I need to move things around, it's a bit easier to get things around um, on that three-legged stand versus the stump um, that I had on had it on before. So that's I, I'm actually no wood right now. I'm hardwood floors. All right. Or well, hard, hard metal you, floors. You know what the interesting thing about the three-legged stand that people don't realize is, is um, one of the things about the three-legged stand is you actually have uh, your feet are underneath. Yeah. So, like, the biggest problem with stumps are is they're usually way bigger than the, the face, the, the bigger, bigger than the footprint of the of, um, of the anvil. Yeah. And what happens is, is you end up your feet the tips of your feet are sometimes it pushes you away a little bit farther away from the anvil that right. you would normally be yeah so i don't like stumps for that reason because i kind of want to be and i've also you know back at the center for metal arts we have, everything was on three-legged stands we used to make them with the plates were water jet cut as the um as the the footprint of the anvil then we had uh tubing and we put we kind of put them out but you end up that underneath space you can use as a tool rest. Like you can right. make like you can weld little things and you can put all your tools underneath so you're inside. But you're when you're you're all of a sudden you're on the anvil differently. Like you're on it. Like you can be you can work on it much much easier. Yeah. Um, in regards to wood, I mean, I have pine. I've used 
I've used pine. Pine's fine. I, I would. I don't necessarily know if there's like a better species of wood. No. I would think a little bit of give isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, I think anything that really works and gives you a solid foundation is where it's at. I don't necessarily think like, you know, I don't think you need like you know mahogany or some shit like that. But I mean, <laughs> if someone, if you happen to find a a mahogany piece of wood that's the size that's ready to go, then give them hell. I say, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point though that you bring up that I don't think about very often, but it is handy being able to kind of really get right up to the anvil and not have anything impeding your foot space. Um, yeah, is, and the move is, is for the three legged anvil is you have the two legs on the horn side, mm. and then the one leg on the on the heel side heel the back of the anvil interesting because then if you're working you can kind of get your foot you 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 end up getting a little bit more you can get a little bit more action in closer you're you're more comfortable your feet are more comfortable you're not going to be kicking into the kicking into the stands i'm a fan of them i'm a fan of them they are easier to move um and Blah blah blah. I don't know. I get you, get a word. You can get yourself some. You know, people get the do the two by fours, and then they just do the Jenga. The Jenga works too. Yeah. You know, if you have somebody has together. some, yeah, put them all together yeah. like Jenga. That fucking works too. Is it the best? No, but I mean, it's like sometimes it's any port in the storm. It ain't because guys are worrying about the species. I mean, <laughs> go get you. Some, I mean, go <laughs> any get you some whatever in the storm. I like that. I mean, whatever it takes. I knew a guy. My wife. I was at one shop where they had. They took. They they had an old lamp post from the hot from the highway, and they just cut the post off and then used the fucking. But it was like a bell. It was like putting your anvil on a bell. It was like every time you hit it, it was like loud yeah. as fuck. But these guys didn't know anything about that. I'll tell you who's got a crazy anvil is Nick, because he. I think he had his made for him. And it's extra tall for to accommodate him, but it's just a tall. What I think the face of it is like maybe six by eight, um, but like three feet tall at least. Just solid steel uh, that he uses to forge his blades on. Well, uh, that's pretty it, cool to see. What's really interesting about anvil making is if you go down to the to Johnstown to the Center for Mental Arts. The Cambria Iron Company used to make anvils, and the anvils that they made were these the, these bridge anvils, and there was no stand, bridge. and they would make they would forge the face and the and the, up to the waist of the anvil, and okay. then the and then they would forge the legs, and then the anvil would dovetail fit into these two legs. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. And then they were mounted into the ground, and they're amazing. And yeah. it's like it's amazing forging, seeing the forged legs. It's two legs and. It's definitely, that's going to be, I mean, you know, you didn't hear it from me, but I mean, down the line, that's the game plan is, is, is going to be anvil making down there, which would be really right. cool. I mean, how cool would that be to make your own anvil? Well, I mean, isn't there another large forge that isn't too far that does a lot of that, those large forgings? And, I think, um, was it and Old anvil. World Anvils or something yes, like that? Yes, Old World, yeah. That's right. Yeah, no, the, these giant, these giant hammers are, are, are now going to be, you know, used for there's such a there's such a uh, desire for you know people wanting anvils and and you know you also all we do and we talk to Alex uh, Andrew Alexander, everybody wants anvils all the time I and mean, it's right. like you know so like you start ma- forging anvils I mean that would be unbelievable can you imagine to go down to take a class and make your own anvil that would be fucking tight yeah that'd be like slick. oh my god are you kidding me yeah. all right J D Eiler says. 
J.D. Eiler. So this is actually a twofer. This is J.D. Eiler and Scars Hill Blade. Scar Hill Blade came in early, but they're, um, came in just uh, five minutes ago, but these are two diff- same things. I had a mentor figure once tell me his buddy was a knife maker who only used lawnmower blades for making knives because, quote, the blades get abused so much it makes them stronger and therefore better for making knives. How do you tell people they're wrong without sounding like an ass? And then I want to add this one from Scarhill Blades, which is almost identical. Dear Diary, I went to my first craft fair as a hobbyist knife maker, and I was surprised by the number of people who thought they knew what they were talking about. Multiple people asked me if the knife in their hand had a full tang and that they would only buy a full tang knife when I mostly made hidden tang knives. I then feel like I have to justify why hidden tangs are fine. How do you handle all these situations where you feel like you have to justify your decisions as a maker to an unknowledgeable customer? So the question is, is yeah. how do you deal with these fucking people? <laughs> That's the question. This is the shit we hear all the time. It's, I mean, it's frustrating, but there is a lot of misinformation out there. And, and I found myself when I was doing shows, especially with culinary knives and people not understanding why custom-made culinary knives, at least when I was first starting doing shows, were anything special. And so, yeah, there was a lot of what felt like, at least at first, I was, like, defensive, right? And kind right. of, like, of I had course. to justify to them, like, why it was expensive or why, why it does it cost that much? Yeah, right, exactly. yeah, yeah. All that kind of shit. And I realized that it, they, don't, they just don't know. That what they think they know is either what they saw maybe in a Cutco advertisement or magazine or some stupid thing on History Channel or something like that. Uh, and the reality is that people just don't know. And so it's more of an – I try to reframe it as an opportunity to help better educate people. And that it, it is hard to kind of suss out the whole full tang versus hidden tang conversation because – Realistically, it's all just been, especially the full tang stuff, has just been marketing through the years. People justifying, basically, like, this is the way we make knives. Right. Um, and so how do we spin it so it sounds cool and, and, and that it somehow enhances the overall quality and performance of the thing? And so it's just marketing. But the reality, especially with hidden tangs, is like hidden tang knives are have been around since like the first flint nap knives. They weren't doing the entire knife out of, <clears throat> out of glass. They usually bedded it into some sort of stick or, or bone handle or something like that. But that's been the tradition, honestly, through the centuries until <sighs> I think full tang stuff didn't really start coming into play and still until things were being manufactured, commercially manufactured. Right. Um, because at that point, then, you know, to, to, to cut things down uh, to fit up a hidden tang was actually more time intensive. And so, but by stamping out a blade shape, doing all the grinding and stuff, and then all you got to do is slap scales on that really eased the manufacturing process. And so that, then that was spun into how a full tang knife is superior to a hidden tang because it's stronger and blah, blah, blah. And that's, it's, that's all bullshit. It's just people justifying the reason or the way that they make things. Um, but again, trying to turn around and basically try to re-educate and explain things to people is really challenging and fucking exhausting and not fun to do. But I think trying to reframe it as an educational opportunity is, it, it really helped me to not be so defensive or kind of annoyed by it. I'd just be like, oh, 
you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So I'll, t- I'll help you better understand some things. And obviously I wouldn't preface it with that, but in my head, that's what you I should. would be thinking. You should. Like, oh, you, you should. don't know. <laughs> it, it, the frustrating you say part it to the people yeah, oh no, you you clearly you don't know what the fuck you're yeah, talking you, about you have no idea which i'm sure that there are people who just do that i'm sure that there are knife makers who totally do that you know something you know a little bit of something and then you want to fucking you want to fucking chime in i oh, mean yeah. i'm constantly i mean it's just like for the, all the years i've been talking to customers and they want to relate they want to relate so yes. they want to, their idea of relating is using buzzwords that you think that they'll identify with. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I like my knives tempered a certain way. What are you talking about? You know, or like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, what do you mean? Oh, really? Like a certain way. What the fuck certain way do you like to tempered? Or like, oh, well, you know, I, my knives, I only have forged blades or I only use carbon. It, 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 some of these people, they hear one thing because they think, and then next thing you know, they're fucking Zorro. You know, it's like, <laughs> it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. But at the same time, it gets frustrating. Yes. And you almost have to like, all right. I mean, in regards to the lawnmower blade guy, in regards to J.D. Eiler, uh, how do you tell people they're wrong without sounding like an ass? You don't. A guy wants to come up to you and say, I only use lawnmower blades because it's stronger. You say, give him hell. Yeah, that's honestly on. go ahead uh, yeah i i honestly like Good i would when i was doing the knife uh sharpening market which is kind of done now for the oh, season because of the, i can only imagine yeah the people coming up and the stuff they would say was what was the best what was the best i thing? can't even think off the top of my head but just yeah people people there's just a ton of misinformation out there but you could take the time and try to uh, you know, explain it to every single person. But I think I think an, another thing is just to, you know, kind of suss out who's worth actually spending the time explaining that to. Or if it's just a looky-loo who's walking by and say, you know, half, half-heartedly mentioning something that they think they know. And then, the, but they're just going to keep walking on. They're not worth talking to because they're not like really engaged. Um, but you can get, you can get like your blood to not boil, but you feel the need to yeah. say something right. and you're just like, I got to fix this. But then it's all of a sudden, it's like, it's like you're in the middle of the water in your boat. Your boat is dr- is like picking on water and you're trying to bail the whole lake out. You just sure. can't do it. It's no, just you like, can't. it's just so much, but you just feel like, all right, I have to say something. And, and it's so hard for you just to say, all right, I'm just going to leave it alone. I'm just yeah. going to leave it alone. And just like that, that fucking guy. Yeah. What I mean, it's just about it's it. picking your battles, right? But it's with everything in society. Everybody thinks they know everything, you know? Yeah, I think there is definitely – there's there's always going to be armchair quarterbacks. And I think there's this, like, weird human thing that we want to feel a sense of – to be acknowledged as somebody who knows something or – Right. Yeah, to to chime in and be like – and I don't know. It's like people have this fantasy that they're going to say something and then everybody around them is going to start golf clapping. Or some shit oh, like wow! Did you hear what he, wow! Did you hear what he said? Oh, that is really inte- knowledgeable and intelligent. Oh, did you hear what he said about the lawnmower blades? <laughs> oh my god, he's so right. He must know what he's talking about. He only uses lawnmower blades. Right. I mean, it, look at—they're blacksmiths out there now on Instagram who do the same thing. You know, it's like they make yeah. a they make a bottle opener, and all of a sudden they're like Francis Whitaker. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is what it is. But at the same time, it's like, in my opinion, it's like. 
take a deep breath, fucking walk away. <laughs> that's like, that's what I do more than more often than not. I'm like, oh wow, really? Oh, you don't okay. say, and then you walk away. <laughs> yeah, you don't say. I really lawnmower blades. Huh? You don't say. If it's somebody oh, I know oh. a little better, then I'll probably be like, mm, I don't think that's how that works, actually. Right. <laughs> and, right. Oh, you only use knives that are 81 Rockwell. Okay, all right, let's go. I'll see you later. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Please. Good luck. Yeah. All right. We take the next one. Yeah, the next one is magic knives. He says, "Hey guys, uh, just finished listening uh, to one of your older episodes, and you were talking about heat treat and how you want to go from finished to quench to tempering as quick as you can. This is something I've always done. However, I've never really known why it has to be done immediately after, as opposed to several hours later." Uh, also, I have a second question regarding bedding tangs and handles. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. So, Jeff, why why do we kind of go through the heat treating so process, process? The heat the heat treating process, the hardening, and then the tempering, and yes. then you know if, if this is your first time and you're and you know you're not a knife maker and you just don't want to know what the difference between all, I'm going to do the fast. Yeah. So you're bringing every steel has a t- a different. Uh, critical temperature where the iron carbides go into solution and that would state is called austenite and then you're quenching it you bring it down to a certain temperature which it converts the austenite into martensite so the solution is turned into a crystal structure that's the e- that's the science the easy way is creme brulee you got your creme brulee you put your your sugar your sugar on top and then at that point the sugar have, has no connection to each other you bring the torch over and at a critical temperature the sugar goes into solution into a solution of puddle and that would be the austenite and as it cools it transforms to a solution into a crystal structure you knock through with your spoon bingo bango bongo you got dessert the problem is with knives you have to, you don't want to be bold. You don't want to hit your your knife with a spoon and it break. So you have to draw back some of that kind of, uh, that, that tough, that hardness. And then you're tempering it at a lower temperature. And then it makes it more resilient and flexible. Yep. Yep. So, but he, the question is, is why do we go to temper so quickly? Why do we have to temper as quickly as we do after hardening? Uh, I mean, some knives are a bit more forgiving. Um especially when they're lower alloy steels, but, um, or, but when they're higher carbon or higher alloy, there's a lot of stress going on in the material um, when they're being quenched from that, when they're transforming from that austenitic uh, phase to the martensite crystals. Um, and, and so you want to get into the temper to help relieve some of that stress. Um, which also lends toughness to that material because when you initially quench it, it's really hard and it's under a lot of tension between the boundaries um, of those crystals. And so by tempering, it helps just relax that a little bit um, so that, um, yeah, the bl- the blade's tougher um, and more, kind of more resilient. Um, I learned this, I mean, <laughs> I learned this lesson a long time ago, but I, sh- I hadn't learned it for stainless steel knives, and I'm used to heat-treating carbon steel knives. And when I was getting ready for the Nashville show about a month ago, um, I had this beautiful blade. Will Brigham and I, and I forged the steel out together. It's mosaic, stainless mosaic Damascus. I had this great nine-and-a-half-inch gudo. Heat-treated it. Everything was looking pretty good. Uh, I was getting ready to <clears throat> put it in... Uh, or sorry, I pulled it out of cryo um, and let it come up to room temperature and I was getting ready to temper it. And 
like I said, I'm used to carbon steel knives. And so I was just kind of like flexing it around and kind of looking at it like I would any other time with carbon steel. And I flexed it off just by the slightest, like maybe a 16th of an inch and four inches broke off the front of the, <laughs> off oh, the front no. of the knife. What was, it was a huge like jaw on the floor. And I was like, holy fuck, what did I just do? But the positive was the grain structure looked incredible. But I think it's I I'm just not used to stainless. And while some carbons, most carbons, can handle a little bit of deflection and and flexing around, there's really no reason to try to do any flexing before the knife has been tempered. And I think stainless is at least uh, the Martensitic stainless stuff um, is really delicate after it's been hardened. And do not mess with it until you've tempered it at least one time. Question um, for you about that. <clears throat> yeah. Would you, cause I've, and I, we were, last week we were talking with Fingal and, and okay. Noah, and we were talking yeah. about, um, heat treating and tempering. Okay. I, when we, we play quench steel and it's full thickness, I've never cracked one of those blades. Like I've never, I've, and I, in what, in terms of flexing, I don't really flex. I mean, sometimes I shim temper them once in sure. a while, but I'm like, I'm never, I've never, I've never cracked or broken a knife, a stainless steel knife, full thickness after heat treatment before temper ever. Sure. And I wonder if it's because maybe it's not, a, there's no distal taper. There's no, you know, it's maybe there, you know, if it's, it's not as thin, if it would be, if it was almost, you know, as thin as you would do it before you would heat treat yeah i wonder about that yeah i don't know um there might be something more to yeah to kind of the plate quench where um there's less stress introduced but honestly like the mistake was mine i should not have because the blade hadn't been tempered i should not have been trying to flex it off in any way because like i said it wouldn't have done anything anyways i was just trying to get an idea of like oh how far do i have to flex this to try to straighten it out and then it just popped <laughs> like a piece of popcorn yeah. i was like holy fuck i am never gonna i hope i learned that lesson and never yeah. do that again um his but like, next question yeah. is oh sorry you were saying i was just gonna say but like i said like the it had it, there wasn't any like pre-existing crack or it wasn't like the the grain had been blown out like it was beautiful on the inside of the knife i just it was just fully hardened and therefore extremely uh under a lot of stress and also extremely uh brittle too um in that hardened as hardened state and so i shouldn't have done anything until after i had tempered it yes well you know what i would use if i was hand sanding a hardened steel blade i would use indasi usa rhino wet from texas ferry supply indasi usa makes awesome stuff rhino wet red line we all use it so go to texas ferry supply Put in the promo code Knife Talk Ten and get yourself ten percent off everything there. So go get yourself some of that Rhino Wet and brittle, and you know, don't worry about so brittle. It's fine. Get some abrasive. Get yourself. Get your life together for Christ's sake. What are you talking about? So his next question was: his next question, it's two parter from uh, Magic Knives is. Uh, regarding bedding tangs and handles, how do you guys allow the tang to release after the glue is dried? Do you want to do a quick uh, recap of what bedding the tang is? Yeah, so bedding the tang is essentially is temporarily gluing a hidden tang knife, whether it's integral or non-integral, but gluing it into the handle material, but in a way so that it can actually be released and removed from that handle so that you can work the handle off of the blade, but then when you put everything back together again, you have a perfect tight fit. 
um, for that tank to go back into. Um, so you can check lines and whatever, size things up and then, you know, take it back apart to make any adjustments that you need to do. I've done this for multi-piece handles that have like a guard and some spacer materials and then, uh, and then a handle block. Um, and, and, and it's a really handy way to sculpt handles too. If you're more comfortable sculpting a handle off of a blade or say you have a Damascus blade, you did all the finish grinding, hand sanding, etching, everything. It's ready to go. You can do the handle fit up, but if you do a bedded tang, then all you have to do, uh, you, you don't, or sorry, if you, if you do the bedded tang versus just gluing it on, you do, you can take that handle back off, work it separate from the blade and then put it back together to check everything. Um, versus sculpting it on the blade and the potential of messing it with your finish on your blade and, and stuff like that. Um, it just comes down to what you're most comfortable with. But yeah, the bedded tang is essentially doing a temporary glue-up job. Now, there are a couple different ways to bed your approach bedding a tang. Um, one is to use um, like a thin layer of wax. Um, on the on the tang of your knife and, and literally what i mean is like you spread spread it on um you let it set up just a little bit and and gently wipe it away because you're you want basically a thin film across your uh around your tang um and anywhere where the glue is going to come into contact so that after you do the glue up like you normally would and you clamp it let it sit cure um then you um gently heat up the blade now you can do it a couple different ways i typically use a torch heating up like the bolster area and it doesn't have to get crazy hot it's it's only has to get up to maybe you know 100 degrees or so because you're trying to that heat transfers from that ricasso area and that integral bolster area down into the tang and it should be enough to soften that so you can release it um, and, and slide the handle back off. Sometimes it takes a little bit more finagling than others. Um, really good things to think about before doing a, a, a bedded tang, whether it's an integral or non-integral, is to make sure that you have a tapered tang, because if it, if for some reason the blade widens back out, then you have basically a little a hook. Yeah, you got a like a, you little, get a grappling hook. On the you end. got a little bell end that's going to keep the tang from coming out. Hey, baby. <laughs> and then uh, you don't want any holes in your tang. So you don't want any hole. Yeah, if you have any hole, you want to tape it up or cover, fill it up with something to keep it from filling with epoxy. Uh, you also want the tang to actually be pretty relatively smooth, like probably at least two twenty or higher. Because uh, if it's too coarse of a grit, say it's only cleaned up to thirty six grit. Um, the, the, those glue grooves where the epoxy will fill in around that, um, is enough to help make it a pain in the ass to take the handle off. Right. Like teeth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like little, yeah. They're like little finger fingers in there holding, holding onto the tang and not letting it release. Um, another way is to use, uh, plumbers, uh, not plumbers tape, but it's, it's the vinyl tape that we, you would use for combining like joint at, at like any threaded joints or anything. Oh, I know what and you're talking about. That, that vinyl. That, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's called, uh, it's, it's, it's that white tape. It's like, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like leak tape. It's for like leaks and stuff. Yeah. I've, yeah, it's, it's some, put it on threads. Like a, you put it on the threads of things so right. you don't have like a gas leak or a water leak. Yeah. And so that stuff is super thin, and that is another way to get a pretty tight fit without um, 
introducing any other stuff into the Tang slot. Um, either way, you have to make sure that um, when you go back for a final glue up, um, you want to make sure that if there, if you use that vinyl tape, you you scraped it all out, uh, or if you've um, done the 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 wax line Tang. Um, that you've kind of gone back in and scuffed up the inside of the tang slot. Cause you can go in and scuff it up and still have a nice fit up, but then you're reintroducing open uh, spaces and, and new glue to kind of, uh, and scratches to, to glue to. Um, I, if you're, if you're not using a mechanical fastener of some sort, whether it's a pin or a pommel uh, rivet or something like that, I would advise against um, use, using the wax process just because that wax potentially could cause some weakening in, in the how well the final glue-up connects with the initial tang, uh, bedding of the tang. Um, but if you have a mechanical fastener in there somewhere, somehow holding it together, that is definitely a lot less of a concern. Um, and but if you if you're not planning on doing uh some sort of mechanical fastener then going in with that vinyl tape is a really great way i mean you could probably also do um like a saran wrap or something i don't know something something basically to kind of protect the tang material from the epoxy so it doesn't glue up solidly right um so that then you can break it loose again and pull it back apart hmm i wonder if you could use like a some sort of spray like a spray paint. I mean, spray would be great. Yeah, like, I don't know. Even like Pam or something like that. Like some Pam. <laughs> yeah, shit. Pam. I, who cares? I mean, who cares? Uh, but I mean, when no, I say no. who cares, I, I mean, think... who, no, I mean, who cares? Like my pondering. Who cares? <laughs> I'm like the lawnmower guy. Like, oh, I will use Pam. I use fucking Pam. <laughs> but I mean, I, the the bedding the tang thing is so fascinating because you are really creating that key, that perfect key structure yeah sometimes i wonder and i've done it a few times but based on what you've i mean based on what you've said i wonder how much after you've bedded the tang how much glue if let's say you're not using a, a manic, mechanical fastening sure when you're re-gluing everything up yeah is there a, an amount of glue that you want to be using or because i mean you we, we one thing we talked about a number of maybe a couple of years ago is if you fill up the hole with a ton of glue and then you put the tang back in you create a, you refer to it as a... It's like a, a hydraulic piston. Right. Effect, and then it, like, it, the air doesn't go around and, and right. then it kind of, like, you know, shoot, shoots off. Yeah, and that's where I was kind of mentioning earlier, you want to kind of scuff up and clean up the inside of the tang slot. Um, and something I've used is I've taken some Sawzall blades that are maybe four-inch long Sawzall and cut them like modified them so they're tiny like narrow or maybe only an eighth of an inch tall but that way i can get into that tang slot and i can cut kind of a channel like in a, a pressure relief uh so as i'm shoving that tang back down into the slot for the final glue up that glue has somewhere to squeeze out you, you need to create some sort of channels for the for the epoxy to squeeze out i've also thought about getting in there with um like uh what is it thread threading taps get in there with thread ah. taps and just one just bigger you know just enough to get in and, and cut little things in the walls but that way you, everything still uh 
keys in really nicely, but then you have also these new, like these new surfaces introduced that create kind of a jagged texture on the inside of that tang slot um, for your glue to really like bite into and, and have a good hold on. What are those things called? The, a brooch, right? A brooch, yeah. A brooch is good for getting in if you want to scrape things out a little bit. Um, I actually had to make some brooches while I was at Maker Camp last second, um, but the ones I made probably would work perfectly for it. I make you... one that goes for the wide side, and then I have a narrower one for doing basically the, the belly and spine um, of the tang. Do you know who I bet has a brooch? I don't know who. Maritime Knife Supply. Oh, yeah. Maritime, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com is your one-stop shop for knife makers, steel belts, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, and more. Probably brooches. Probably. I know they got mold polishing stones. I know they have the Matt Parkinson uh, Rockwell testing chisels. And you should definitely... They have combat abrasives. They have rhino wet. You got uh, P.S. Go get yourself a copy of Laren Thomas's book, Knife Engineering. That's your book. That's your book number two. One thing that Lawrence from Maritime Knife Supply has done has he has created a scholarship program at right. the New England School of Metalwork. Um, it's a very generous thing, and he's giving back to the maker community because he's been taking a lot of classes there. Uh, this is look if you're looking if you're a young maker, experience open for all ages, 16 to 30, including travel funds and accommodations. There's a link in his link tree for this scholarship. So go check it out. Go follow Maritime Knife Supply on Instagram. Go check out what they're doing. Take advantage of their sales and their discounts. And uh, if you buy a, if you buy a 10-pack of belts, you get one free. And uh, what Lawrence is doing is very, very, very important. He's a knife maker making stuff, selling stuff for knife makers. Canada, yeah. United States, don't matter. So yep. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com or .ca. It was, it was really great to meet Lawrence at yeah. Baker Camp. Um, and then he actually ended up after being at Maker Camp. Uh, he also did my class in New Hampshire uh, at Zach Jonas's, and so it was, I, I was I felt fortunate to get to because we don't get to meet our sponsors very often, um, and so to have so much quality time uh, to hang out and get to know him better. Um, yeah, he's a great guy, and he's he's really trying to do the uh, you know right by the the maker community, um, and and he's really. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Like, he's also a maker. He's not just, he's just not... He's not just slinging stuff. He's he's also a maker, and so it's really great to get to know him. There you go. There you go. Maritime Life Supply. Well, we can keep going questions. We also have Tough Dilemmas. Y- your choice. Yeah, sure. I like, let, I like this next question, though. Okay. You want me to read uh, it? Yeah, go ahead. Let's see if I can read this person's name. Trey, Trey Hill Custom Knives. Tree Hill. Perfect. Tree Hill, isn't it? Sure. Okay. I'm with, you, I'm with you, dude. <laughs> I, I, you know me. Okay. What was your first big gut checking? Oh, sh- as in, quote, oh, shit, what have I done? Unquote. Moment after making the decision to go full time that you weren't really prepared for. That's so a good question. A, a gut check moment after you decided to go full time. That makes you go, oh, shit. Um, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. I mean, I, the oh shit moments to me are always like you, you've you've gone into something and then it's you've had a you had a problem that you didn't foresee. Mm-hmm. Um, the one oh shit moment I had, which was a couple of years ago, was I got a bunch of AEBL, and I followed the recipe for heat treating it, and they, they I did a pile and I did like fifteen or twenty, and they weren't hard. And after I, he treated them and everything like that, they fucking were not. I flexed them and then they didn't. I flexed them all and then they didn't flex back. And I was just like, and I was, I was, I called, I was talking, I was on the phone with the New Jersey Steel Baron. I was on the phone with uh, Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Paul. I was on the mm-hmm. phone with Jonathan Porter. I was, I was, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? And I honestly felt like it was this moment like, I don't know what I'm doing. Something's wrong that I don't know. And I couldn't couldn't stop and say, okay, maybe it's the coupler. Maybe my cup, something's wrong with my coupler. Maybe Mm. I'm just not hot enough. Or maybe I'm, I couldn't, I couldn't stop and just try to figure out what the problem was. I just was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Clearly. And it was, and it was, it was a little bit of both. It was a little bit, it was, my coupler was fucked up. And I which I it. replaced my coupler yeah. on my, my first heat treat oven was fucked up. I replaced it and it, that made that changed, you know, like 25 degrees. And then the other thing was, was I changed the way I did a couple things and I ended up getting up some cryo. I got up to her and the cryo really kind of brought me back to it changed the Austinite over to the retained Austinite over to Martin site. But it was like this moment of just like, I'm, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. And it was like, sure. that was the, that was probably the one thing that I hated the most. And the other thing I hated the most, oh shit moment was when I, I got my shit kicked in by the, <laughs> by, by the fucking state of New York. 
thinking oh, that right. I hadn't paid something. And I told you this story before. <clears throat> I got this yeah. letter that we hadn't paid something from 2020 or two years ago. And there was a $200 something or other that we had paid and that they were going to fine us, uh, uh, fine us and then charge us interest on the fine. And it went from $200 to $2,600. And then they sent a warrant out, which we weren't 100% sure if it was a warrant for my arrest or what. And I was like, I am not prepared to get arrested for this, all of this. And then right. we had to get our, we had to get a, our accountant on board and we had to get our, and we, they took care of it. We got this letter of, you know, you know, oh yeah, everything's fine. We made a mistake, but that was no shit moment. Like I'm about to go to jail for this fucking company for $200. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So there's two gut check moments. Yeah. I think for me, yeah. When I first started, uh, I was just like, cool, I'm going to make knives and then I'll get paid and that's it. And that'll be great. Um, but there's definitely a lot more to it, especially on the business side of things and, and, or I guess the administrative side of things, um, that I wasn't really prepared for or understand that was going to be involved, especially if I was going to be, you know, turning around a lot of knives and making, potentially making a bunch of money. There's a lot that goes in with keeping track of all that so that, you know, you don't run up against, yeah, ta tax issues more than anything. So, right realizing that there is a whole like literally like uh, what i thought i was involved with this business and and making knives and how things were going to go was literally actually only just half of it right <laughs> the yeah. administrative side yeah. is a whole nother half um you know hence why i have my wife helping me with the business uh, especially on the administrative stuff because i'd be fucking it all up uh and like you got your tony and and so Maybe uh, Craig's just a beast and he just does it all himself fine. I but. got, I got like, I got Tony, I got AZ, I got yeah. everybody. I mean, it's like, right. and, and I, and I can't, the thing that I had to do was I had to not micromanage everything. Like that was, I right. had to like trust people that they were going to do the right thing. That was the most important, that was the most sure. important thing. But the gut check thing is like, I can't, I, it sucks. I think that people just think that I made knives, I sold one, guy gave me a bag of cash, and then let's just do this again. You know, it's <laughs> like, this is all it is. I'm making it in my backyard, and let's just do this. Listen, I'll make this, you give me some cash, and then I'll just do it again. Right. And it's just like, I wish life was like that, but it's super not. <laughs> you know, once you're on the radar with the, with the state, with, like, with, yeah. with, with unemployment insurance, I'm telling you, man, there was like, there was like, I said uh, a number of months ago, I was like, every six weeks, I would get this letter that would just like, would rattle my insides. Like I'd have sure. like this feeling of immense impending diarrhea from these, <laughs> from these messages. And I, and I had to, you know, send them to, and I would say to Tony, I'm like, you've got to change. This has got, these letters have got to go somewhere else. They cannot come to my house. I cannot. I had a guy, I had a guy who was in the neighborhood from the IRS who wanted to stop in and say hello. We took care of it. I mean, I was just like, Jesus Christ. And I was like, I didn't need it. And it, everything's yeah. fine. And, and P.S. These are, the the thing is, is like you're dealing with these bureaucracies or throwing wide nets out to try to catch some fish. And unfortunately, right. you have to prove yourself innocent instead of, instead of, you know, they think they just want money. 
And it's giving sucks. you a shakedown. Dude. Maybe they're got, hoping for a knife. Maybe maybe he'll give us a knife instead of paying us <laughs> two hundred gotten sh- we've gotten sh- we've gotten shaken down. I'm a I I'm a I'm not this is not a political statement. I am a born and bred New Yorker. I love New New York saved my life. New York is my third parent. New York did more for me than any other place in the world. I don't think I'd be the person that I am if it wasn't for growing up in New York. New York saved my life. But they certainly don't like small business people. That's for sure. The state of New York sucks if you want to be in small business. They are not trying to help us at all. They're trying to (laughs) fucking kneecap us at any moment. So it's like you got to take it for what it's worth. So, you know, that's the gut check. Get yourself a bag of cash. Go get that. Get the make the knife. Get the bag of cash and make yeah. another knife. Yeah, and actually, honestly, like my wife has been helping uh, with the business, but I don't. That's definitely not our long term. I think solution to how to do the business, and I think honestly, long term is going to be finding somebody locally to help with the bean counting. Right. Um. And my my email correspondences and and the lack of I guess doing customs. Um has slowed down to a point where it's something I could manage. And so I think eventually I'm going to get to the, I I would like to pull somebody or find somebody that I, you know, I pay a couple hundred dollars a month to, to help with uh, making sure the books are looking right. And um, you know, to help with quarterly taxes and maybe end a year and stuff like that. A couple Um, hundred bucks. (laughs) I think it's going to be more than that. For a a bean counter. I mean, once a month. I mean, what, you, I mean, I mean, that's you're getting into. You're also getting back into why do your knives cost so much? Sure. They've got good bean counters. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, they ain't counting beans. These motherfuckers are like. I mean, I remember we had, I got a we got a bill from one of our accounting departments, and I was just like, I'm gonna go into this guy's how I'm gonna go into this guy's office. I'm gonna shake him. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this bill. He's like, well, that's. He tells me, well, that's, you know, you want to pay for a good accountant. I'm like, I know, but I'm at the same time. I mean, I'm only I'm only one man here. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, you know. last year actually, it it cost. I don't know what changed, but it cost twice as much as the previous year to do the end of year taxes. And I have no idea what changed, why it was so expensive, but it was. It was almost a thousand dollars to do the taxes, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" Yeah, I wasn't expecting yeah. that bill. It's all gut check. It's like stem the stern <laughs> gut check. It's like, why are Corby's now two dollars a piece? You know, it's like, what if what happened? Why are, why is G ten so expensive? How come I can't get four forty C anymore? You know, right. that, that those are all gut checks. That's the real gut check. That's going to be is if you have it. Like, here's a gut check. We're trying to do new a new design for next year, and I'm trying to. Come up with. I have a design that I love. I, we have a concept that we love. I have everything we love, but now I have to take the practicalities of how do I make a hundred of these knives and source the material. So all mm. of a sudden, the sourcing of the material becomes a problem. Like I couldn't do, you know, what our you know Neptune Sunrise in a, a kind of like a wood because I'd have to be able to match that wood a hundred times. But I'm not doing wood. It's like, how do I source this one material? And is that material going to make it hard for us to do this project? That's mm-hmm. a gut check problem that I don't think a lot of people have. It's, sure. you know, you find a material. All right, I found this material. I love this material. Well, here's a good example. I did this. Uh, we did this knife for uh, America's Test Kitchen. Uh, Julia Davison who's outstanding. And it was the stuff I found at Blade Show. Went to Blade Show a couple years ago. Saw you there. Yep. 
got this Australian molly, red molly or oh, something yeah. like that with yep. uh, with uh, blue, you know, not you know see through. It was dynamite stuff. It was just like yeah. for some reason it was like it was awesome. Well, it was great. I made it the knife. It was just like we just got fucking berate. People were knocking down the doors. How do I get this knife? And we couldn't find anyone to make it. And finally, I found a guy to make this handle material. But it was like he had enough to do eight. And I was like, I'll take eight. I'll take eight sets of scales. Yeah. But like, we're, how are we going to do? We can't do more. Like, that's the other yeah. thing. It's like, that's the gut check of how do you source? Like, you do a set of knives. How do you source all the materials so it all looks the same? Sure. You know, that's fucking hard, too. Yeah. Talking about sorting sourcing materials uh I, I think after i got into my own shop space um and i was working on a piece the customer provided the handle material and it was material they had sourced they because uh, some collectors will they'll collect the materials that they want to use in a right. custom build um sometimes that's the steel sometimes that's the handle material or certain accents and stuff like that um, for the for the blade for the build and um and so I was like oh yeah this is no problem, and and then I totally fucked up a two hundred and fifty dollar block of handle material I was like oh my god what did I do, and <laughs> that was a real gut check for me in the way that like you know just not anticipating making big mistakes like that with other people's stuff like if it was right. my own handle material I don't give a shit, but right. it's with other people's things it's it's. I take it really hard. Yeah, of um, course. And so, and how did you resolve it? Um, I was able to kind of figure out a, a patch situation um, where I basically kind of carved in a little farther, and then basically made a negative that I glued, pinned, and glued in the place, uh, and then re-sculpted that part of the handle. And it's That's fine, good. but it wasn't a uh, you know. Uh, it wasn't it, I, 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 I rather would have not had to do that at right. all. <laughs> Those are the gut check. That's talk about a gut check. Those are the gut check things are the hardest part. I mean, you learn how to make a knife and you learn how to do this and you learn how to do that. And all of a sudden, you know, like my, my, even heat saved my day, but my computer, I was, uh, the computer in my even heat was, I ended up sending it back to the company that makes them. And they said mm. that it, the, something was corrupted in the, in the software. I couldn't add I couldn't add uh, recipes. I couldn't d delete recipes. I couldn't edit recipes. And I wanted to add because I, I had the Damasteel stuff. I redid the Damasteel knife. And I wanted to add to make the recipe. And I couldn't add it. I ended up taking the computer out, sending it to the company. And they sent me a new one. And all of a sudden, they see, he says to me, he's like, well, how long can you go without a computer? I'm like, not very long. So they <laughs> sent me a loaner. And then the loaner was mm, not great. And then Spence overnighted me something. But it was like... I was starting to, you know, one day, two days is okay. But then all of a sudden I'm planning out for the next week. And I'm going to, I mean, we're, we're in the end of October, Christmas yeah. season. I got to be heat treating every day. Sure. So like I sent, I sent this, I, I think I rattled this guy's this poor guy's kid, not Spence. Spence was awesome. I yeah. even called Spence. I said, how do you feel about me rattling one of your guy's cages? He's like, <laughs> tell me what the problem is. I'll fix so Spence fucking stroked me. It was awesome. And oh. Spence is the, well, that's a old restaurant expression. So oh, he didn't, is it? he didn't. Yes. You know, okay. get stroked is means like you get the, you get the arm, you know? I mean, when I say get the arm, I mean, you just said it. getting stroked is not just Keep like, digging. you know, 
fine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. He but uh, but it was the gut the... check of like how do what happens. You know, Tony used to say to me about he says get multiple pieces of equipment because the expression of one two is one and one is none is like mm. an expression like sure. what happens if something breaks? Right. You know what happens if your heat treat oven breaks? Right. Can you fix it? That's the and it's that's the gut check thing. It's like what happens if something happens? Something like your wood. What happens if your wood falls apart and you got to fix it? Yeah, those are. I mean, we talk gut check all day. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty hard pill to swallow because it was it was pretty fresh too, and so we our our margins were slim. I guess super I don't know. slim, and so yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad I was able to work it out and figure it out. Yeah, of course. Uh, and the customer was super happy with it, and she still loves it and uses it. So I don't know. I'd be curious to see what it looks like now, though, um, just after it's been like eight years now since I built don't, that knife. Don't ask. Don't ask. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, I, my, my, gut set, my gut checks is just like, I think it's a problem she'll call you. Don't just let's leave a sleeping dog lie. Cause then all of a sudden she's like, well, you know, it had this thing happen. You know, I noticed that <laughs> it has this mark that I don't like. Yeah. You know, but it, but last week when I had Noah and uh, Finkel on, Noah was saying that he had done some heat treating and he, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Oh, and out of eight knives, six of them were, go- I think that was the number. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. It, but it was like out of six out of eight were destroyed. Yes. So it's like, that's a lot of time and energy if this is your business. You yep. know, it's like, ah, it fucking sucks. Super sucks. I'll tell you what was easy to heat treat. I'll tell you what was easy to heat treat. Damasteel. The Damasteel. I got my Damasteel piece. My knife is looking great. I did an offset serrated, and I want to submit for the Damasteel You're going Chef for the knife best bread invitational. knife. I, th- I feel like I got the serrations down thanks to you. I've learned from you the serrations off the bat. And then I feel like I've t- tuned my own situation and I'm happy with the way it turned out. Okay. I got a bread knife, but I got to tell you, this Damasteel was so easy to heat treat. It was so easy to use. It heat treated perfectly. All their instructions on their website was great. And if you go to damasteel.se and use the promo code Knife Talk, you'll get 10% off your order. And let me tell you, do not be intimidated by, by Damasteel. The videos were great. They have a lot of videos on YouTube on how to etch the 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 damn steel. I used warm muriatic acid, and it was the easiest shit I've the easiest etch I've ever done in my life. Oh yeah, by a mile was the yeah. damn steel. I mean, I couldn't etching believe it. it is a dream, a dream, a dream. <laughs> I mean, it's it's stupid how much of a dream it is. It's like it makes you think I can etch anything, but I know that all of a sudden I have a problem on anything else. Yeah. So. Go definitely get some damaged steel. Give it a try, man. It, 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 I'm telling you, if you can heat treat stainless steel, you can play quench. You don't, I mean, you should use, they suggest using cryo, but you don't really need it. I didn't use cryo, and I still have 61 Rockwell, ladies and okay. germs. I mean, that's good enough for me. Um, and also, on November 12th will be the DCI Invitational. We will be doing a live event on the December on November 12th and you go to damasteelab.com uh, damasteelab on Instagram and they have a link in their bio for tickets and information for the virtual show so you can sit at home in your underwear and you can watch all <laughs> you can interact with a pile of knife makers and you know, Myrtle will be yeah. there and I'm sure Fingal will be there and Quentin Middleton and and Camacho Knives and all of our buddies from all over the world Belette Blades will probably be there all these all these high level dudes that you can talk to you can look at their knives you can interact and you can watch us interview all these people 
So go check that out. November 12th, coming up. Damn steel. All right, I'm with you. Yeah, I just saw that Fingal posted the knives that he's going to have available for people to start kind of viewing and kind of deciding. He, I, th- I think he still holds the record for, for selling oh, yeah. out the quickest. Oh, Every sold time. out in five just, and boom. drunk in ten. You know, it's like sell out, sell all his knives at five, and he's drunk in ten minutes. He should so, start it, start it drunk. I don't know why. Why dude, is he even he, waiting? He's so charming, this fucking guy. He's unbelievable. He's, he's he last episode. He's saying they're working on. They're going to be making mortadella at the at the Gabin. He's going to make a bologna. A oh boy going to make a bologna, high level bologna over a Gabin. So yeah, keep a lookout for that. So let's see some tough dilemmas. What do you say? Let's hear it. All right, so guys, once again, follow us on Instagram, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. You can uh, interact with us there. Uh, these are tough dilemmas. You can create some. You can make some. They don't have to happen. You can just. However, please be please be aware that the ones are like, would you rather have you suck someone's dick or do this? Don't that stuff. I don't. I don't. I will never put that shit in. Trust me. I'm not all that kind of weird shit. It's never gonna work. Trust me. It's. Just come up with a good dilemma, okay? This one comes from, I'm sorry for saying that, but (laughs) Labrado Forge says, here's a tough dilemma. Hi, cuties and Fleabag. I guess I'm the Fleabag, which is fine. I recently worked with my buddy, Justin from Running Man Forge. Shout out to Justin. Justin is the man. On uh, what was to be a collaboration knife pair. When all was said and done, although the knives came out beautifully, we did find a flaw in one of the knives. There's a small, somewhat faint crack in the core material that was visible on the spine near the tip. Although probably not per- perceptible to the untrained eye, we can't sell these knives as a pair. As for the flawed knives, do we A, keep it and use the knife, or B, sell the knife at a reduced price, offering full disclosure for the purpose, preferably a friend or family member? Keep up the great work on the podcast. I look forward to it every week. So you got a knife. There's a flaw that you know is there and that somebody might not know is there. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, I, I feel like you can't sell it. Right. But, um, yeah, what do you do? Do you repair it, like grind that back? I guess it would depend. If it's all the way out of the tip, I would just grind the tip back and maybe make a shorter knife. Uh, because potential issue with that is that it continues to propagate throughout the life of the knife. Um, versus kind of getting nipped in the bud at the start. Um, but yeah. Or you and could then, just give it as a gift to somebody and be like, here, and then, this is how much I love you. I tell you, when I was doing the, when I was doing the Cuban knives years ago, yeah. I had, I was, I must have been quenching some of them too high of a temperature and they were, I was, I was cracking some of them. And I was, I would, but I, but I wouldn't notice it until I, after I ground it and after I hand sanded it, I would notice these faint, tiny cracks. And there was this like, well, how many of them are going to be that way? And I thought to myself, I'm like, I have every one that has got a crack in it, it got to go. Like I can't, and yeah. when I say got to go, it's got to stay. Right. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot sell these. Yes. And I was very, very, even the point where I was like, do I put out a flawed, do I know that this is fucked up and still sell it? And I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. Cause like, what happens if it goes into someone else's hands? What happens if like somebody decides to it breaks and then they want to do like some Instagram bullshit where they're just like, look what happened to my fader knife. You know, right. do I need that in my life? And then if it ends up in someone else's hands and then oh, I bought this second hand and it broke, 
Can you fix it? Do I really want that in my life? You know, and the answer is usually no. No. Yeah. You know, it's especially with like a crack in a knife scares me. You know, I don't, you just, you know, you wouldn't want something to, the tip to break off in someone's food or there's all sorts of things that you just, I don't know, I'm yeah. against. What is it? I, I mean, I think if they want to sell it as a factory blem or whatever they want to call it to that effect, um, because there are seconds that companies sell um, that are just not good enough to sell as their, you know, as their premier line. Um, and so I think if you're going to be transparent, I mean, then I, I think it's fine to sell it. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe reach out to friends or family <laughs> first, right? Who, who might be a little bit more forgiving, uh, who aren't going to turn around and put your ass on blast across whatever knife forums and Instagram or. Well, whatever. I want to come. I want to go back to that real quick. But like, that's the thing. That, like, come Christmas time, everyone says, "I'll take a." You have anything? You know, like a something's busted or something. You don't. <laughs> you got a you broken get, knife? I can have. Yeah, people. I have so many people. Who, you have anything in like the the reject bucket or anything like that? Or I have that. Sure. You get that shit all the time. I mean, yeah, it's and I it's too. like and it's just like I don't really want that out in the world. You no, know, so it's I don't like, either. <laughs> but in regards to the Yelp thing, there was a, I sent a message to Tomer um, about the, there's this new, I don't know if it's not new, but there are these new food reviewers who are like reviewing restaurants. You know, so many people are now okay. reviewing restaurants and food like in the car, in their car. Like there's this one guy, Mr. Chime Time that I like very much. Please go watch. Mr. Chime okay. Time's this dude who he's going all over the South. He sits in his car and he, ta- and he reviews food. And he's just like, he's just like, all right, this guy says this is the best biscuit. I'm going to eat it. And then he'll make this kind of like, he'll eat the food. And it's just like, it is funny, but at the same time, it is gross too. It's just like, he, sure. oh, this bitch is making me wet and all that stuff. Well, I give it a five, uh, five what point is, what seven. What is that, mukbang? Yeah, no, but it's yeah, kind of. But at the same time, Mister Chime Time is a, is a good follow. But okay. everyone's everyone everyone's like doing these reviews where it's like, well, I give it a seven point six. It's always like these like ridiculous <laughs> scores, you know, like fucking pizza guy, you know, Dave Portnoy. Everything, oh, this pizza is a seven point two. I can't give it anymore. Seven point two, you know, and it's just like ridiculous. But what's happening is that these people who are doing these reviews and they're mm-hmm. so outrageous that they're just like. They're they're influencers, but they're doing these kind of body and outrageous reviews that people are actually listening to, and they're like this pizza. I don't remember the, the, these two women. It was and it, and it was promoted by Bon Appetit magazine, and they're saying this is the new style of reviewing, and that these bodacious, just crazy reviews that you just know that this is the new style that people are just going to you know eat stuff and be kind of crazy not even right. like be thoughtful or helpful but just being wild and it's just like this one this one couple they what was it fucking i gotta find their i'll find it later but it, they're, they're they 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 call everybody peasants and i only caviar on my steak and all this and it's just these crazy <laughs> reviews and oh they didn't have this and you know go you know whatever but yeah who gives a shit I got another dilemma for you. This is from Noah Larson. Noah Larson says, here's a dilemma. Years ago, when I started my journey into knife making, a family friend gave me a non-refundable deposit. But what he's saying was non-refundable. Gave me a deposit, and I, it's non-refundable. After going back and forth about what he wanted, he stopped responding. I tried reaching back out after many times over the years with no responses. 
Now, years later, he's going around telling people, I took his money and never made him anything. No. <laughs> How should I handle this? I was completely transparent about the non-refundable deposit. That's some... I want to make your knife. I want to make your knife. And then he doesn't say anything. He's like, hey, just fucker took my money. Yeah, that's some shit. Like, it's one thing not being able to get a hold of somebody or, or, but then for that person to turn around and then basically, you know, blast or, uh, yeah. 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 Talk shit. Putting on a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Talking shit. Yeah. Um, defamating your character, basically, which if it's, a family friend like i don't know like i was gonna say maybe it doesn't really matter too much but it obviously like to the group of people that you guys are mutually acquainted with that's that's not gonna be great and i mean at the same time it's like using you, words like non-refundable deposit what is this what are you the tsa i mean it's like you're not a bank you know this isn't like Sure. It doesn't have to be. It, 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 just saying a non-refundable po- deposit is not. It's not legally binding. Why don't you just pay the fucking guy back and keep? That would probably be the for sure the easiest way. Yeah, but yeah. It, you got to do it publicly. <laughs> you yeah. just you just pull pull out an envelope with a bunch of ones in it and just slap it in its face. You're like, "There's your fucking money. <laughs> Stop talking shit." Just saying it's a non-refundable deposit. It's not like there's somebody pulling a gun to your head. It's not like it's like it's like that episode of The Office where he says, "I I declare bankruptcy." It's not really. I mean, not, you're just saying it's a non-refundable pro- deposit because you don't want to give him the money back. You know. Now, if you you know bought a pile of material, like let's just say, all right, listen, we're gonna make these knives. Give me this deposit, and then you go out and buy all the material, and then that's the non-refundable. But if this is yeah. like just a non-refundable to hold your spot, I mean, you're just saying you don't want to give the money back. Give the money back. I mean, he's just like I. My opinion is, is like we get so few people pulling it back, pulling, sure. pulling, pulling back from a from a commitment that it's like I just give him the money back. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't want. I would personally rather have a bad experience and maybe I don't have to make I don't have to make money off every job, but knowing that the guy will say Fader took care of me at the end sure. didn't work out, paid me back. You know, he did a lot of work, and I know I felt bad about it. I got in a car accident or whatever. I got to do all this, that, and the other thing. They're not going to say he took my fucking money and wouldn't give it back. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's – I've had – I actually had – this happen to a friend of mine recently. He he put an order in for something, and uh, he put a deposit down. And then literally a couple days later, something changed, whatever it was. And he's like, I know we just did this, made this deposit, um, but things have changed and I have to cancel that order. And they refuse to give the deposit back. And the product is a thing that very easily can, you know, it's not like it's a super one-off and that they could never sell. It's like they have plenty of demand in business that, okay, sure, somebody wants to, fine, pay the deposit back, we can still sell that thing. 100% 100% is the position that they're in, but they did not give, they refused to give the re, the refund back. And that if the, the, my buddy decided to uh, work with them in the future, then it would add, act as a credit towards any future purpose, purchases. And I was like, but you didn't do anything. Like you typed, you typed your person's name in. Like, right. why, why are you holding on to a 350 dollars deposit? <laughs> like, what is that about? There's, there's, 
I mean, it's not like this. I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate us being in business and trying to figure sure. out ways in which to work through tough decisions. And you make a commitment. You said you made a commitment. This is the commitment, and now we're going to honor the commitment. Sure. But at the same time, it's just like sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and <laughs> and maybe it's better to, in the long run, know. I don't have to fucking fight that this, with this guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? I mean, I know. I mean, Craig's had problems with shipping. Craig is right. the first one to say in his projects, he has problems with shipping and, you know, things don't go right. Well, he's got to take care of those things. And, and he does. And he will. And, and it's just one of those things. I've done the same thing. Yeah. Like, if something falls through, I take care of it. Like, I had fucking Hollywood star Henry Golding. Had his right. had his knife taken out of the, the mail room of his building. Somebody took it, and he I could have just said, "Well, that's not my problem," and I was just like, <laughs> "I would I could have done that. I could have been right, like, hey, right, Snake right. Eyes. Hey, Snake Eyes, go fuck yourself. I could <laughs> I could have done like a suck it up. You know, go talk to Storm Shadow. I don't know what to tell you. And, but instead, I was just like, "I got you. I got you, fam." I got right. you, fam. Oh, and it yeah. wasn't my fault. I wasn't responsible. Part of me thought, I wonder if one of his fucking buddies has it. I don't. I have thought about whatever, but at the same time, I'm just like, no. You know what? Just fucking make him a new one. Have a good. And he was pumped, and he was psyched, and he appreciated it. And you know, I look. Sometimes you just got to do the right thing, <laughs> and the right thing is like, you know, just fucking pay him back. <laughs> just let this fucker go. Yeah. <laughs> let this fucker go, and know that, you know. You did your best, but at the same time, it's like your reputation is kind of more important. Right. I think. Yeah. I had uh, who is I had a friend help me with some, some construction stuff when I first was setting up my shop. And, at, you know, there was no agreement as to, like, if there would be a trade or if I had paid or, or if it was just, like, a buddy helping out. Uh, but then later on down the road, he started hassling me about, Hey, when are you going to make me a knife? Are you going to make me a knife for it? And then this like was coming straight out of like completely out of left field. And I was like, wait, what did we, t I'm pretty sure we didn't talk yeah. about anything. And so it's been several years now and he's, he doesn't hassle me too much, but it, it every once in a while he's like, by the way, where's my knife? Yeah. And I'm just yeah. like, you fucking guy. I'd rather just fucking pay you and leave. And did he give you a deposit? No, there was no money. Yeah. Like, this is just, there, no. There's nothing then. And there was there's, no conversation. No. The thing is, is like, if we'd had a conversation but it, and, and that was what we agreed on, then that would have been fine. But there was nothing. And I've tried to have a conversation. And then he's like, no, no, don't worry. And he, he's like one of those friends. Oh, it's like, yeah. no, no, just whenever, you know, don't worry about it. There's no rush. Yeah. Or, and I'm just like, fuck, I want to stop having this fucking conversation with you because it's frustrating he's it's like, so uh, frustrating he's like he's like big brothering you he's like being the he's like you know uncle nicky giving you the big brother mm -hmm. you know like uh, you know trying to like it's almost like an alpha situation I, there's another guy who i knew who i knew who did the same thing he saw me on instagram live and he says i want one of those knives oh yeah and then yeah. i'm like i'm not re <laughs> this isn't <laughs> this isn't like the contract if i'm on instagram live talking about <laughs> what sandwiches are better than other sandwiches and you just write i want this knife that is not a commitment of anything <laughs> and then he writes me back like a couple weeks later where's my knife I'm like i don't know what you're talking about he's like remember on instagram live you were talking about whether or not sandwiches are overrated or not and i said i wanted a knife and you said fine 
Like, what are you talking about? Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> that not nuts means nothing. I'm talking about whether or not a Cuban sandwich is overrated versus a Reuben, and you're telling me that's a commitment to me giving you a knife? That's not true or possible. Right. But people are crazy. Back to the guy with the lawnmower parts. You got to deal with people. People. Fucking people. Worst. That's Craig's thing. People are the worst. The worst. <laughs> are the worst. But you know what the best is? I don't know. Broadbeckironworks.com. <laughs> Broadbeck Ironworks makes the best 2x72 grinder around. We love those guys. And if you go to broadbeckironworks.com, check out all their packages. But get this, guys. Get your pens and pencils ready. November 20th through the 27th is the Black Friday sale. Yes, ladies and germs, you heard me right. Broadbeck Ironworks having a Black Friday sale November 20th through the 27th. You can save $325 on their Max Package, $545 on their Super Mega Package. You can save 10% off on all their attachments, $200 off their surface grinder attachments. There's all sorts of savings to be had at BroadbeckIronworks.com on Black Friday. And let me tell you what. The grinders are dynamite, and I'm actually going to have the boys of Broadback on this week. This when this comes out this this Friday, Ryan and Vince will be on the Full Blast podcast. We're going to hear about all the, how they met and all that stuff, and how they became how they became in the grinder game, and that'll be fun. So go to BroadbackIronworks.com, get yourself one of them grinders, and you won't regret it. So once again, 11, uh, November 20th through the 27th, Black Friday sale, Bingo Bango Bongo. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I, I want to give them another thank you for having me, uh, sponsoring me at the Baker camp and, and having me come and do uh, the demos. It was fun and they were super amenable and, and helpful. And <laughs> I, I have a tendency to uh, make a lot of modifications and I've done that to my own machine. Uh, but I didn't bring my own machine to Maker Camp. So first thing I said to Ryan um, was... Get the grinder out. Get I'm, the right angle grinder out. <laughs> I'm going to start making some modifications. He's like, do what you need to do. Uh, so I re- really appreciate them being flexible in that way. Because, you know, they basically they had two brand new grinders there that had, like, the whole paint job and everything. And I'm, like, grinding shit away on some of the plat. Like, I have a back angle ground on the right edge of my flat platen. Right. And that helps with like cleaning up, especially the bottom of the integral bolster and, and also with some of my blade profiling and, and handle shaping and stuff like that. And so um, that was one of the bigger modifications that I made. Um, <laughs> they're the good grinders. dudes. They're funny dudes. Yeah. We good. had a good time. One of the things at Maker Camp, we had such a good time. I had, there was one night, I think it was Saturday night. Okay. And this was on the heels of, I did this huge, I did this long, mentally exhausting, uh, <laughs> full blast podcast uh <clears throat> with all the with all the makers and it was great with um uh, uh um my our friend uh mark adams put this mm. panel together but and, yeah. and it made me not it made me so exhausted i was just like Mara. i went up to you when i was done i was like maraca we can't do knife talk live tomorrow morning yes. i need a, I need <laughs> I a drink right oh, now it was fucking freezing too it was freezing and we had such a good time we were hanging out with um with uh the the pa crew and Sunset Forge, and we were standing around the fire, drinking beer, and stealing food from Will Shear and stuff like that. Oh my god, god that food damn, was, was so that fucking good! How fun was that night? We were that just was having, great with Jesse Killian was killing me. Yeah. He is so that oh that whole PA crew, Butch and Jesse. Yeah. Who congratulations to the Phillies. <laughs> if, if the Phillies win, you're gonna see some. You're gonna, 
Pets, uh, the Phil- Philadelphia is going to explode. <laughs> it's going to be a problem, a real problem. But how funny were those guys? God They're damn. hilarious. Yeah, we spent like close to what, like half an hour, 40 minutes just talking about what a pork roll is or is not. Oh, yeah. Pork roll versus Taylor Ham. It was this huge hall of environment. And then Sunset Forge was there, and he was, he was, he was the diplomat. Jersey. He's the diplomat. He was the you diplomat. You say fucking you say fucking John Ariani's the diplomat. I thought he, at he one would, point, at one he, point, I, he says, "I want to fight somebody," <laughs> and he turns to you and he says, "I want to fight you." Oh yeah. And you look at him and with like this the Samoan war face and just like it's not happening, dude. I'm gonna fuck <laughs> you up. And I was the diplomat. I was I, like, I was, everybody relax. I was warning him. There's a switch. You, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to turn on the switch. I'll tell you what, that might have been the funniest. John Ariani is like, he's so much fun. And he he's gets so a few drinks in him and he just wants, he gets punchy. He wants to fight. He just started like, he got in a wrestling stance. He's like, I want to wrestle. And he goes, he looks at you and he goes, Rick, how much do you, I want to take you out. I can think I could wrestle you to the ground. And you just gave him this like the rock <laughs> look. You gave him a look like the rock, like, I am going to fuck you up. And I was like, <laughs> everybody, peace piece and i'll tell you another funny thing that was he did really end funny. up getting an elbow in my left eye he did <laughs> yeah i mean he was joking but then he j- like suddenly jumps at me and i wasn't expecting it and he hit me in <laughs> my left eye with his right elbow i tell you what john ariani's the greatest <laughs> but i'll tell you what's funny i was so we're, this is in the in the height of the playoffs this is like this particular point when we were at maker camp was the best part of the playoffs Okay. Jesse Killian and Butch and I are talking, and I introduced him to Ben Seacrest from Broadbeck Ironworks. And yeah. for some reason, I seem to think that the guys from Broadbeck, the, I know some of them, are, I know that I know that Vince lives in Maryland, and I know they're close to Chris Cash and all those guys. So I just yeah. assume that they're all Baltimore Orioles fans for some reason. So I, so I, I introduced Jesse to, uh, we we're talking baseball, and Jesse's a diehard Phillies fan. He's a totally he's the best. And, uh, I introduced him to Ben. Oh, this is Ben Seacrest, Fire Ice and Forge. And I, and I said, I think he's an alt Baltimore Orioles, Orioles fan. And Ben goes, Why do you always say that? I'm a Braves fan. And he had just said hello to Jesse and just, You're a Braves fan? Well, fuck you. It was the best. It was so fucking funny. It was so funny. It was, we had such a good time. I just had such a good time laughing with everybody. Yeah. It was really great. Jesse's so. Marlboro knives, right? Marlboro handcraft. Yeah. He brought a knife. Crap. It was cool to see. He brought a, a Deba. It was nice. Dude, it was he's a, a fucking knife. good dude. He's a, he's a it's great a guy. A he's a great. Both those guys, Butch yeah. and Butch and Jesse, are awesome. I gotta have the both of them on full blast. I just want to fucking laugh. I might have to have them on. <sighs> Win, lose, or draw. I gotta. Have, I don't. I'm wondering if I should have them on. Yeah. Well, the World Series is starting this week. I got the. I gotta have them on soon. I gotta have them on soon. We gotta talk baseball. But those guys are great. Bush is Bush is terrific. He sent me pictures from the parade, like when they when they beat the San Diego in the streets of Philadelphia, where people they were greasing. I guess this is the after show. They were greasing the posts, the lamp posts. Oh, in so Philadelphia. fucking people weren't climbing them and falling didn't, and doing didn't stop. Shit. Didn't stop anyone. <laughs> they didn't. They, used, they didn't bed the tang well enough. Didn't stop oh, anybody. Boy. People oh, were up and down those fucking posts like crazy. But uh, yeah, he was sending me pictures. He took his kid to the parade and you know, no, that wasn't a parade it was just like people it was a wild it was more like wilding people were just wilding in the streets right but uh yeah those were good those were good times you had a good time in maker camp it was a lot of fun it was fun yeah i think uh I, i'm excited to do it again next year and I, I anybody that was there there were definitely some people who listened to the podcast that were there lots and, of people yeah 
thank you everybody for so much positive feedback and some so many kind things um and like you were saying some of the feedback about me it was interesting there were a few people that came up to me chris cash was actually one of them yeah and he's like you know I, it was great to meet you in person because you know you just don't know what a person's like in real life and Dude. and uh and you're a good guy and I was Chris like, well, what am I supposed to be? <laughs> like, Dude, do I, I, I must come off a lot more negative than no, I am. No, 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 no. Listen, let me, let me tell you a secret about Chris Cash. Chris Cash, I love Chris Cash. Mount Phillip Metalworks is the man. I'm a Chris Cash fan. He's got a way with people that's a little bit like, it's as, almost as if he wants to say something about you. But instead of him saying it, he'll say like, other people say that you do. To do it's a fucking move he does this move all the time like wow some people say you know you he he used to say that to me about he used when he used to listen to knife talk and all this stuff he used to say to me well some people think that you're an asshole and i was like well why don't you just tell me you think i'm an asshole because you're doing this (laughs) fucking move you're doing this fucking move where it's just like other people you're like taking complete response no responsibility for what you're saying i love chris chris did a great job with uh he he did a great job there and his wife was there it was real nice meeting her and that was funny it was funny. Chris is so funny. But it no, I mean, you know, I, I, I did get some negative feedback on the podcast after Maker Camp because I was complaining about safety and if some people didn't like me complaining about the safety thing. So that oh, was yeah. one thing. There were definitely – I'll have – Go, go ahead. Out, you can, there were definitely say, some safety issues. Well, let me just say something for the listener of the podcast. We're in the after show now. Okay. If I say something, people get mad. If Mareko says something, no one says shit. <laughs> and that's, God bless you for that. God bless you and your fucking clout for that. But I mean, I, look, I, I get, wor- my worry, my fear is I'm not going to do a whole big thing because all of a sudden someone's sure. going to stomp their feet and leave, you know, at the end right. of the show. I was just going to say, I just don't want anything to happen to anybody. And, and I, you know, I, that's, that's all I said. But I got, a, I got a little bit of, I got a little bit of fritz from people didn't like me, you know, being a safety sue. Safety sue. Yeah, there was, uh, especially just a lack of more than anything lack of eye protection i was seeing a lot of right and um and some angle grinder action that with like no shields <laughs> or yeah. you know uh you know whatever around the head of the cutting disc um so that was probably the biggest things i saw but um yeah. Well, no. you were you were very safe. I, I, your whole safety kit's great. You have. Oh yeah, I was light, totally geared up. You were. <laughs> I, I, I get. Your wife came up to me. It was great meeting your wife, and she came up to me. She goes, "Do you have any ear protection?" I'm like, "Yes." And I grabbed a handful of little, uh, one of those ones you shove in your ears, and I yes. gave it to her. And I was very impressed with your. You were very. You were a very good uh, diplomat for uh, proper PPE. You had your lights on. You had the. You had the whole yep. nine yards. You had yep. glasses in. You were. I had a face shield, respirator, lights. Yeah, you were, I had the ear protection. I had my apron. Yeah, you were. Nothing happened to you. Nothing no. happened to you that night. You were bulletproof. No. <laughs> but uh, it was a good time. It was it a was real a good lot of time. Fun. Well, and kind of what I was getting at regarding being at Maker Camp and all the different people was just like every. My kid was there too, and there weren't really a lot of kids there, right. but everybody was so positive and so helpful for the kiddo. Uh, my wa- my wife got a ton of great photos, and I'm gonna have to actually I'm gonna have to poach some pictures from her, um, put together a little uh video for Instagram. But it was really great to see him run around and meet all the different people and and have a great time because to him they're just everybody's just people, right? right. And there's it's easy because there are some people there who are like somewhat famous or well really well known, um and and for him it's just everybody's everybody's just a person and you know it was great seeing him like hang off 
Jimmy DeResta and stuff, <laughs> like the first, uh, or at towards the end, like on the last day, I think we were doing well, the stuff. They have the same maturity level. Yeah, sure. <laughs> You're a six-year-old and Jimmy DeRester. Yeah. I mean, they're no, two peas in the pod. And J- Jimmy was a gem and, and very kind and amenable and friendly. And, yeah, it was just he was just great to have. Yeah, um, it was, was fun. And the, how, good was, how good was that barbecue? Holy smokes, yeah. How good was that barbecue? The barbecue was incredible. Yeah, Will Shear and Steve, Steve Pellegrino stay up all night making barbecue. It was dynamite. Yeah. I was trying to look for leftovers the next day, and I didn't. I didn't find I any. Don't, yeah, I can't believe that there were any. I'm sure Will had some. Will at one point, Will Shear gave me like some pimento cheese thing. I think I gave you one of them. You oh yeah, like a, on the cracker. It was, like a sa- it was a pimento cheese and sausage on a cracker or something like that. It was. Yeah. Look, one of the interesting things, and when we, we everybody would be like, I'm sick of sick of tired of hearing about Maker Camp. Because it was a destination spot, you had people who wanted to be there. So yeah. you're not getting like. You're not getting as many just like uh, passers by. You're getting people sure. who met, wanted to be there and were into it. So you get a good opportunity to. Yeah, people are very yeah. intentionally there, uh, and it's a good group of people. And it's it, I met tons of new people, and it really is kind of like a very short camp, but it's camp. Right. And uh, yeah. especially coming from the West Coast, we don't have a lot of camps over here. Um, but uh, you know, I've done events or things like i went up to new england in new england school of metalwork for a couple of weeks and took a class there but it's like going to camp um and you're you know you're kind of out of your normal realm and you get to meet new people and you share experiences hopefully mostly positive unless somebody like john is trying to shove an elbow in your eyeball um and it's it's just a really great I don't know. Like, I, I wish I grew up going to camps, but it's a great way to, like, develop self-confidence or, and to, yeah. to, to network and to, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And it's those experiences. They're, they're the things that create memories that you'll remember till the day you die, honestly. Well, that'll be, that's the new way to do these kind of conventions. It's, sure. it's like, that's one thing that Spence was telling me from even he, he was like, it was a totally different vibe than doing work, workbench.com or doing blade show. It was very sure. much along the lines of, I mean, I don't know how Broadbeck and even heat and all these companies did in terms of sales and stuff like that, but it was sure. really good FaceTime with like, you know, eager people. So, right. What was that? So what are you doing this week? What are you planning on eating this week? You have any game plan for the for Thanksgiving for Halloween? You have any Halloween things or what's going Nothing on? Nothing too week? crazy planned. Uh, I'm actually getting ready to go razor clam digging tonight, um, which will be a lot of fun. And then tomorrow morning we got a little bit of a break from the rain, uh, which is why I'm clamming tonight. And then tomorrow morning I'm going um, chanterelle hunting. Jesus. And um, and then we're doing some family stuff. We're going to the roller skating rink for my niece and nephew's birthdays. Nice. Um, it'll be fun. Hopefully, I don't bust my ass don't <laughs> on the wood floor or break anything. We'll break uh, anything. I've been, yeah. Knock on wood. I've I've been I've been fortunate not to have any bad spills the last few times I've been on either roller skates or ice skates. So I hope to keep that run going. So, uh, do you have to have a permit for the razor clamming? Uh yeah, you get basically it's a, a shell fishing license. Um and you can get a fishing license and it's crazy it's like super cheap for the whole season which started in early October and goes until the end of March is like seventeen dollars. Wow. And how but, do you know where to go? 
Well, the uh, Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife does a pretty good job keeping track of uh, safe beaches that are good for digging the clams. And they actually have a few different beaches they kind of put through a rotation. So not everybody's going to one beach all the fucking time. Uh, They kind of swap them out. There's about uh, eight or nine different beaches that are certified for digging clams at. And so they just kind of rotate back and forth through them. Um, But it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And do you, are there other people clamming when you go? Are you by yourself or are you, a lot of people, you ever go to a spot and there's too many people there? Or? Yeah, I went, I went last year, uh, on a week, usually it's the weekends, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's just batshit crazy. Cause it's, you know, it's the, it's that time of the, the week where people have the flexibility right. to get out there. Um, and it is really busy. And, and last year I showed up late. Like, uh, you typically want to show up an hour or two before low tide, um, to get digging, um, because, and really more than anything, like they're available and you can start seeing the show, the clam shows and start digging. Uh, but on a weekend, there's tons of people. And, and so you're also like, kind of like, there's just a bunch of sand thrown all over the place and it's hard to see what you're looking for when everything (laughs) looks like a fucking minefield and so last year i showed up late and i was like oh i didn't think about the fact that i'm gonna have to now shuffle through all the shit that people have left behind basically i still got a few clams but now i i try to if i can i try to get out there in the middle of the week because there's fucking nobody out there in the middle of the week right it's great and do you use like a shovel or do you have a special type of shovel? You can use a shovel, uh, which is commonly preferred or is commonly considered like the professional way or the more legitimate way of digging clams. Like a regular shovel? Like a kind of you get at the store? No, no, no. Store? It's, it's a special shovel. It's narrow. It's like maybe a three inch wide blade and it's maybe 10 inches, 12 inches long. And it's got a, a subtle curve to it. Uh, but it's designed specifically, specifically for digging clams. Um, and I, I don't know, it might be specifically for digging razor clams. Um, but I use a, what's called a glam, clam gun. Uh, and basically it's a, an aluminum tube. Well, yeah. The old clam gun. <laughs> I know all about that. I knew about the clam gun in college. Blast it up. And then there. <laughs> so you get the clam gun. It's usually <laughs> a, a, a stainless or aluminum tube that's got like a, a T bar at the top kind of handle and you, and it's got a, like a purge valve, basically like a carb on a, on a weed smoking pipe. But basically the air, as you, shove the clam gun down to the sand the air escapes (laughs) through that bleed out tube but then when you're pulling it back up you plug the hole it pulls it basically it pulls up a cylinder of sand and then you kind of sift through the sand if there's a clam there great if not try it again and you just do that enough times until you got your clam limit which currently is 15 15 yeah 15 is that a lot these clams can be really big. Like they can be last time I went, I got the biggest clam I'd ever dug and it was two inches wide and oh an, my inch, gosh. an inch and a quarter thick and like six and a half inches long. And what a fucking monster. Yeah. They're beasts. Uh, they're not quite, uh, like, uh, Oh shit. What are the ones? Gooey ducks. Gooey ducks are Ugh. the largest clam species. Fuck those. Yeah. They're, those are the real monsters. Those are the um, ones that like, yeah, you know, with the mukbang. They love that. They love it. Uh, you ain't but, getting a fucking gooey duck with a clam gun, that's for sure. Fuck no. No, no, no. Those, they have to, what do they do? 
uh, they blast water down actually to like displace the sand so that basically you grab the neck of the gooey duck and then blast out the water around it so you can just yank the fucker right out of the ground. Get the fuck. Um, Who needs that in their life? The, the necks on those gooey ducks are like two and a half, four feet long at the longest. Like Get it's crazy. F- and it looks like an elephant's dong. <laughs> it looks like a giant dick. horse's dick. <laughs> oh, God. Wait a second. Back to, we got we to gotta, gotta close this down in a second. But I need to know, how many, how many razor clams have you gotten with one plug of the old clam gun? So it's only one. It's usually only one clam in the hole. And you um, know where the clam is w- yeah, when you get there. Yeah, you're not just a... like shooting blanks. You're oh not no, just no, like shooting all over the place. <laughs> you're not no. shooting that clam gun everywhere. You see the, the you see what well, you see. Yeah, a hole. usually you can bring a tamping stick or you can stomp on the ground, and it uh, basically it, it, it disturbs the clam, and the clam starts to create what's called a show, and so it'll start digging or moving, and and then you see this like anywhere from a dime size to a quarter size kind of dimple starting to show up on the surface of the of the sand. Break and that's out the where, clam gun. And that's where you dig. You start shoving it in there and making it happen. <laughs> so give me your clam. Give me your give me your razor clam recipe, and we'll get that out of here. I've been do doing do? so. A buddy of mine loves frying clams. Obviously, you can use clams in all kinds of stuff, including chowders. Um, the, I like to do the fried clams, um, and so basically, I get the the clam all cleaned up. Um, any kind of like viscera, which is usually like the GI tract and stuff, kind of removed, um, and lungs removed, and kind of cleaned up, and any sand removed out of it. And then you do you crack them open first. Or you poach them first. Uh, blanch or okay. yeah, blanching. Right. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. Like the shell pops off on a, on a clam, um, in like. 20 seconds it's awesome so you kind of dip it in the hot water shell pops off you transfer it immediately to an ice water bath so because you want to arrest the cooking process because they're so thin already they can cook really incredibly fast uh and so then you take the shell off you take the guts out you clean all the sand off and then i i like to put it in an egg wash and then I have right next to it, and I've been using bread pans lately because basically these razor clams fit inside of a, a like a, a loaf pan. Um, and then I use matzo meal uh, as my breading, and Look it's fucking delicious. Yeah, and wow. just fry it up. It's only like thirty seconds each side because again the clams are so thin. If you overcook them, then they start getting like super rubbery and chewy, and it's not very yeah. enjoyable to eat. Just to let you know, yeah. I'm proud of you for using matzo meal, but just to let you know also, you're doing a, that would be referred to as trafe because he, clams are, I don't think cl- clams are, clams are, it's funny that using matzo meal, it gives it's a shit. not kosher? Well, yeah, most shellfish are not, shellfish aren't kosher, but I'm glad you're using matzo meal. That is the correct way to use matzo meal. Trafe is good. Never stick trafe? with, trafe means like, like if you were kosher, you wouldn't eat uh, pork or lobsters or shellfish. And those things would be referred to as trafe. And I used to talk to other Jewish friends of mine who we all were like, trafe is where it's at. I mean, I'm eating trafe fucking, is where it's at. Uh, trafe is where it's at. <laughs> so go fuck yourself. I mean, God's got bigger fish to fry than whether or not I have a fucking razor clam in the matzo meal. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we used to, right. there's actually, there's actually a, a Instagram of like how, you know, the best chip. It was like, it was a picture of oh, a pig. It was a picture of a pig, and it said "delicious tray" or something like that. Delicious so, tray. I'm, yeah. with, I'm with you, man. Well, good luck, man. I hope you. I hope you get. 
Yeah. I hope you get your limit. I'll limit out. I, I also want to start playing with doing like a ceviche with the clams too, which would Dude. be really tasty. I would think like a Thai situation would be good too, like a Ooh. little Thai stir fry, something like that. Oh, well, man. and also like a or or like a pasta, like a seafood pasta, like a fettuccine or something like a white sauce. Look at you. Pasta. That Look would be you. really nice. Oh, that sounds good to me. Oh, oh. fucking, I mean, I got, my kids got, uh, my kids got her last swim meet, uh, not a swim meet, the sectionals, which is like, uh, all the teams on, uh, on, um, on Saturdays, okay. which is, so I'm, uh, I'm going to make some pasta for her tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited about that, but nice. Mareko is great catching up with you. It was Happy Halloween. Too. Thank you. It's always great. Happy Halloween. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad it's a good trip. I hope you and your son and your wife have a wonderful Halloween. I hope our listeners have a wonderful Halloween. I hope Craig, there's a picture of Craig. I'm going to have to use it at some point. Craig's sitting on a wall, sitting on the wall, pondering the world. His wife must have taken this picture of him. He's like, let's get a rock star picture. I'm going to sit on this wall and look at the sky. I'm going to have to use that in the the picture, but we'll see about that. So, guys, we'll see you next week. Craig will be back. The whole team will be back, and we'll see you next week. Hasta la vista. Is that what you say? Hasta la vista. Hasta la victoria. Ciao. Ciao. All right, Mareko. We'll see you next week. See you. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.